Hello listeners, my name is Paige Smith with Below the Radar, a knowledge democracy podcast. Below the Radar is created by SFU's Van City Office of Community Engagement and is recorded on the territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh peoples. In this episode, Am Joe Hall speaks to acclaimed graphic journalist Joe Sacco about his most recent book, Paying the Land, a deep dive into Indigenous sovereignty of the Dene Nation in the Northwest Territories and the long-term environmental, social, and cultural consequences of a booming resource extraction industry on their lands. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hi, welcome uh, everyone. Welcome to Below the Radar. Really excited uh, to have uh, my friend Joe uh, Sacco uh, with us today. Joe has just uh, published uh, an amazing uh, long-form book that he's worked uh, several years on, Paying the Land. It's just been out the last uh, couple of months, uh, previously was uh, published in, in France already, uh, but this is a, a book that Joe's been working on for, for many, many years, four, five, six years. I can't remember exactly, but it was a long, a long form book, a lot of time. And uh, Joe, maybe we could just begin by, if you could just introduce yourself uh, a little bit for some of our audience who may not be familiar uh, with your work. Okay, well, I mean, I guess what I normally just say is I'm a cartoonist. <laughs> Um, I studied journalism, and it just so happens that I ended up doing uh, journalism in comics. That's kind of what I'm relatively known for. Um, And I did books about uh, the Palestinian territories, books about the Bosnian War. Uh, Often my my books have sort of centered on conflict in a way. And uh, I I think uh, doing the book Paying the Land was my attempt to get away from conflict quite unsuccessfully. (laughs) <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I'm a cartoonist. I'm a cartoonist. I live in Portland, Oregon. Yeah, um, Joe. In in um, uh, in terms of um, taking on uh, this book and this research project, I'm wondering where the idea emerged uh, to go uh, up there. You've of course you've been in conflict zones and other parts of of the world. Uh, but for I think a lot of people, this might be uh, at least outside of the Canadian context. This might be a very obscure, very specific. Uh, a topic, but I'm wondering how it landed um, uh, in your area that this became uh, a project for you to, to consider. Well, I mean, basically, I wanted to do a book that addressed climate change, but not so directly. And I was, I've was i been thinking about Indigenous people and how they are always kind of the, the first people who are affected by climate change at the point of resource extraction. Mm-hmm. And I thought of doing sort of a comparative look at uh, peoples in different con- on different continents, and I thought, well, maybe Canada would be a good place because someone had contacted me uh, about Canada a few years before. Shauna Morgan, who's in the book, who served as my guide, she lives in Yellowknife, and she had said you should come up here sometime. She'd written me a letter. I didn't know who she was. Come up, and I can show you around. Uh, a lot of things going on with Indigenous people, and I sort of stored that in the back of my head. And when I finally decided to do a book that had something to do with Indigenous people, I just sort of remembered her, contacted her, and thought, oh, Canada will be an easy place to start this comparative project, because it's Canada. I mean, little knowing that it wasn't going to be that easy. It was way more complex than I thought. But I thought Canada would be sort of a good entree into doing something about Indigenous people. And I contracted with a French publisher, uh, a magazine publisher to do a magazine piece. So basically I thought of a short piece uh, when I was going up there originally. 
you know, you, a lot of in, inside uh, uh, your work, I, I note this kind of um, theme of the relationship between tradition and change. There's um, a lot of uh, links with dispossession, uh, whether it's internally displaced people, refugees, or in the in the context of uh, colonialism in Canada as a kind of ongoing uh, project. And I think you deal with that in this book in a very uh, nuanced and interesting interesting way. And and just I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about your your trips um, uh, up there as well, because in Northwest Territories and Diné Territory, it's uh, a complex uh, geography to, to navigate uh, as well, and that makes it into the book as well. Yeah, well, the idea was, um, and, and, and Shauna, the person I mentioned earlier, uh, she sort of developed an itinerary based on the communities she knew through her work, uh, sort of a green-centric organization. She spent a, lot, spent a bunch of time up in different communities up there. So, we started in Yellowknife and basically drove up to Norman Wells, making stops along the way. And I think the idea of driving was to get a real sense of the, the immenseness of the place and get a sense of the, the countryside. Um, so that's, you know, that's, that was the basic idea for the trip. So we, we visited uh, Tolita, which is on the Mackenzie River, River Valley, up to Norman Wells, uh, we visited uh, Trout Lake and Fort Simpson and um, Fort Liard. And I did two trips. That's uh, something that I should mention because the first trip was for the magazine piece. And I realized there was a lot more going on um, than I had anticipated. Like you said, this is a book about colonialism, but that's not how I was looking at it at first. But you do realize it is about dispossession. And so it did hit some of those themes that have come up in my other books. And I can think in particular, the book about the Palestinians, because it's about settler colonialism, ultimately. And in the one case, in the, in the case of the Palestinian territories, you had settlers who came in who wanted physical access to the land because they wanted to cultivate it originally and live on it. And in Canada, the situation is more uh, they want to possess, the Canadian government wants to possess the land, not necessarily to, to you know, farm it, because in the Northwest Territories, farming is, is not practical, practical in most of it. Uh, it's just too cold. But they wanted the natural resources. But ultimately, it's about land. And it's about how do you control land? You control the people on it. You have to sort of break, break their bond to the land send them off the land or in some other way just get separate them from the land and so those themes are i guess are consistent though like i said i hadn't really planned to find that i just it just became very clear when i was up there what was going on yeah, and it's quite a historical sweep that you take um in in the book uh, itself in terms of uh, delving into residential schools in terms of the berger commission and and those type of things. There's, there's certainly uh, textbooks around uh, that 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 history. But uh, how did you find in the in the research process uh, what parts of the the history to kind of elevate into the book? Did it come up through the conversation? You have an, a very immersive process in terms of being out there. That's certainly part of the the research itself, um, and certainly it's reflected in your your previous books as as well. Well, a lot of the things I w I was reading were 
were sort of about the Berger inquiry because that was kind of my starting off point. It was about resources. It was about um, indigenous people um, in relationship to those resources and in telling the stories to this, to this in, uh, inquiry about um, what the land meant to them. But what it did give me, I mean, it gave me a good sense of what happened in the 70s. And in some ways, in my naive kind of way, I thought I would find a lot of that reflected in what I saw um, in, in the trips I took. But of course, a lot of time has passed since the 70s and a lot of things have changed. And you realize that any indigenous people is not a monolith. So you're gonna find many different ways of thinking about resource extraction and land and there are conflicts within those communities. That is something I wasn't really prepared to find because most of the literature you find is sort of activist based in a way. And activists are, are trying to promote or push one part of what's going on, which is um, indigenous people uh, having a contentious relationship with resource extraction. It's not always the case. Some of that exists, but you know, not entirely. It's very, it's very complicated. Uh, I also appreciated the, the humor that you built into the, the, the book and, and what's obviously a very serious uh, topic, whether you're in a uh, safe area, garage or other places, you, you do uh, note those pieces that bring a kind of level, levity that holds things together. And uh, I really also appreciated uh, uh, the depictions that you had of the hand games and being at the, the jamboree. So what was like that like for you uh, coming in uh, from like port, hipster Portland to- uh... oh. <laughs> oh, I mean, It was kind of stunning. I mean, I have to say I was uh, so uh, taken with, especially the hand games, just the sheer power of that event, the noise, the energy, the way that people were Bonding to it, the way they were just really into the game, and initially when when I was going, I'd been told by a couple of indigenous people, you know, this is just another event of ours, another cultural thing we have that is, has become monetized on some level because the hand games are a tournament where money, you know, there, there's money stakes, and the first prizes for the various teams can be can be quite large. But when I was there, what you realize, you know, whatever you can think about the prize money and all that, you see the people and you see they are really into the game. And it was, and it's a very collective game. It's, um, and it's, the, one of the most interesting things about it is it, when you look at the game, it, 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 as a Westerner, you sort of think of it as a, as, a, as a guessing game. You're guessing what hand a token is in and you're doing it with a number of people. And, you know, you think mathematically, there's only so many ways that can pan out. And it was sort of described to me as more of a psychological game. And I, it's hard to buy if you're a Westerner, but when you're seeing it, you, you're caught up in it. And you see people who are able to somehow, or it seems they're able to fake out whoever's trying to choose what hand something's in. And suddenly you just sort of get, you sort of believe it. And I don't know, there's just a, a great power in that to see that there's a, a culture that can take something like that and um, and sort of demonstrate, I guess, the spiritual aspect of what you think of as, as a guessing game. 
Now, now Joe, in, in these kind of uh, long-form immersive research projects, which uh, not only take uh, years of discussion and visiting places, but the actual labor of uh, drawing in the, in, in the comic book form is such an immersive, uh, time-consuming uh, way of working. And I'm wondering how you kind of uh, uh, make, that, make that happen. Like, it, it's, it's an endurance project, Joe. Well, it is an endurance project. I mean, you know, you just spend years um, at the desk. I, you know, I study journalism, so I love talking to people. I love going out. The field research is really fun and um, engaging. You're, you're meeting the most amazing people and having great experiences. And that's, but that's a very small part of it. You know, what's underneath the water of that iceberg is the, ma the main part of the iceberg is just sitting at your desk, drawing day in, day out. And over the years, I've learned ways of structuring my time that are going to make that work, you know, uh, as well as possible. So there's a lot of organization that I've learned to do before I even start a book. I, I do all my own transcriptions. I, I, I transcribe my own recordings because I need to rehear everyone it reminds me what they were saying. And it also gives me, it, it reminds me of the inflection in people's voices. So I don't farm that off. And it's when I'm listening to all the transcripts that the ideas really begin to come back to me, especially when you're listening to all those conversations, but in, in, a, in a period of a few weeks. And I, organize, I, I, start, I start indexing all my notes. I index all my transcripts. I index all the journal entries I've made, which are, which are pretty extensive uh, when I'm kind of in the field. And I, I index by subject. So if there's a character who appears in various parts of my journals or my interviews, I will know exactly where he appears. And I'll have sort of a brief synopsis of what he says in each place so that it's all at my fingertips. I'm not like searching through my journal saying, oh, didn't someone say something about such and such? I go through and index everything and that, that'll take weeks. So the preparation work can be a couple of months before I even start writing. Then I start writing and writing is a process that I never know how long it's gonna take. It could, because you're trying to get, you're trying to use words and you're trying to get the words right. And what can sometimes take two minutes can take you know, two hours to get a phrase right. So I never really know where that's, how that's long that's going to take. But then the drawing, when I'm finally ready to draw, um, I kind of know, I sort of know how much I can get done every day. Because then it's like, I mean, forgive this analogy, but it's like digging a ditch. I, I enjoy the drawing, but it's, I know how much I can get done every day. But what I don't do is plan my drawings beforehand. I don't storyboard because I need something spontaneous. If my, if my script is basically set, I need something spontaneous, something creative to do that day. So generally speaking, the coming up with the drawings is spontaneous day-to-day -day kind of thing. So it, it, you know, you, you're sort of mixing long-term planning with some creativity at that moment, at that very second when your, your, your pencil is on the page. Now, Joe, you've been doing this for a long time now, 25, 30 years, something, something in that zone. You're like the heavyweight champion of comic book journalism. You kind of invented a form. There's others doing it now as well. But at the time that you were doing it, it was very 
new and novel. And I think many people are trying to understand how to register it as a, how to, how to place it and those types of things. And uh, visiting so many uh, places of uh, conflict and serious uh, subject matter and, and doing uh, work in the field, that certainly um, carries out a kind of vicarious trauma to you as a, as a person that, that uh, lives through it and um, is, is hearing these stories. I'm wondering how you've um, kind of uh, uh, pulled together that part of the work, like the intensity of uh, being in these places with people uh, and then spending large amounts of time alone, literally drawing. Well, it's funny. I mean, one of the ways I was trying to step away from the violence was to do something about indigenous people in Canada. And of course, when I was there, um, kind of the elephant in the room was the residential schools. I hadn't come up to Canada to do a book about residential schools, but it always was sort of floating around the conversations. So I had to address it. And I realized that residential schools were a part of this process of dispossessing people. I mean, that's clear. And what I realized too, is you can't get away from violence because this was a form of violence. It was basically a war on a, a people's culture, trying to break people from the land. So, um, Unfortunately, I was back in that realm of drawing violence and uh, dealing with that again. But it's just something you, you have to just respect the material and what it needs. And you have to uh, address that sort of thing. And not just the violence of the residential schools, because that, the residential schools helps, to, helps you place the domestic violence, the alcoholism and and all those other things that indigenous communities are suffering. You have to tie the two things together and then tie all that with colonialism and with land dispossession. Um, the way I personally deal with it is, is I'm, I'm working on, you know, I've told you about this uh, in, in other, you know, just in our personal conversations. I'm, I'm working on the Stones book. And the more I work on that, the more I realize I'm trying to work out in, in, with humor some of all the, the compounded violence that's sort of in my head that I've been, you know, seeing and talking about and drawing. I realize that's what that book is about, is trying to sort of come to terms with uh, that trauma once removed, you could say. So you, you deal with it in different ways. You know, you have a martini after you've done some drawing, you know, the same ways people deal with, with, with salt drawing. and pepper chips, with salt, with salt and pepper, uh, potato <laughs> chips. And, uh, exactly. And, you know, you have your friends and you have your relationship and you, you know, all those things sort of leaven, uh, the work you're doing with things, the joyous things in life. Let's say that. And also, you know, even doing the book on the on on what was going on with indigenous people, you you drawing the hand games, drawing people on the land, um, drawing people describing life in the bush uh, when they were growing up. All those things really help. I mean, it was actually a real pleasure to draw uh, the bush stories I, I I drew. That that contrasted with drawing the residential stuff. So. It was, a, it was a pleasure to draw something that was, you know, organic. People on the land, the animals, uh, what they were wearing, the tents, drawing them drying fish, all that stuff 
uh, was kind of joyful for me. It literally was joyful for me when I was drawing it. Uh, now, Joe, you're based in uh, uh, Portland right now in a super intense uh, political time, uh, both uh, in the city and the state and the American election and the, in the atmosphere. What's your read on uh, what's going on in your own city? Well, I mean, Oregon is a, is a state that had a, QK, a KKK foundation and a lot of redlining, uh, keeping black people out of neighborhoods, um, dispossessing black people here. Workers who came up, especially during the war, uh, to work on liberty ships, dispossessing them, um, gentrification, uh, putting in hospitals where they used to live, putting in a freeway where they used to live, you know, a convention center, all this sort of stuff. So this has been going on in Portland for a long time, uh, problems, racial problems here, and especially with the police department. The police department here has a lot of um, uh, a history of, let's say, racial abuse, that sort of thing that you see in other police departments in the United States. So initially, the when people in America had been protesting police brutality, there was a history of it here that was being directly, uh, being protesters are trying to address it. Now, of course, that, that intensified with the feds coming in. Um, but I mean, we have outstanding issues here, outstanding issues in the United States, issues with so many things. I mean, at least in Canada, despite your problems with indigenous people, and you have many, you have still tried to make some effort um, to have a, a addressing of what happened historically. It doesn't necessarily tie up the bow and end what the effects of colonialism, because that sort of thing is ongoing, whether you have a commission or not. But in the United States, we, we haven't done any of this work. We haven't done that work with the African-American community, obviously. We haven't done it with the, with the indigenous communities. So there are a lot of issues going on. Plus, of course, you have the economic issues, which are front and center with uh, COVID, as they are around the world. So there's a lot of tension here. There's a lot of tension in the United States. Yeah, uh, Joe, uh, besides the, the Stones book that you're working on, do you have other projects on the go or you're dreaming up? Well, I, really, I, have, I have another project. Um, it's about India. And it's about. It is. I, I was. I was. I was emailing you as a, as a joke, like, "Oh, you need to do something light, like the I don't know, uh, India-Pakistan partition, though, and its effects on contemporary Kashmir." And what? What's your project? Oh well, it's about. And I've done the research already. Um, it's sort of interesting. It's it's a book about a riot that took place in Mutsafanaga, which is a district of Uttar Pradesh. And I've already done the research. Um, violence between Hindus and Muslims and what happened there. And it's really about what people tell themselves about a riot a year afterwards, because people sort of begin to invent stories and create narratives for themselves. But also more broadly, how does violence work in democracy? And that's something that isn't an issue just for India it's an issue for North America or in particular the United States. So I've had, I've had this project and the truth is I was going to start and I did start that project before I did paying the land, the book about Canada. 
And in some ways I sort of drifted towards paying the land because I thought that would be a lighter book somehow. It didn't turn out to be. And partly I'm doing the stones of the book to sort of keep from doing the book about India. I mean, I, I need to do that book. I, I, and I should do that book. It's, it's an important book to do. But for my own mental health, I need a little break, if you know what that's, I mean. That's totally fair enough. Uh, thank you so much for, for joining us, Joe. And once again, the, the book, everyone, this is Paying the Land by Joe Sacco. Don't just get this one. There's many, many other great Sacco books. And uh, thanks so much for, for joining us from uh, Portland, Joe. A pleasure to talk to you, Anne. Really a pleasure. Thank you for joining us to hear from our guest, Joe Sacco. Stay in the loop with Below the Radar by following us on Facebook at Below the Radar Pod and on Twitter at BTR underscore pod. And be sure to subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.